Welcome everyone to another edition of the Indie Jigsaw Show. This one is all about Scots lead, all about Scots language, its past, its present and maybe where it's headed to in the future. The Indie Jigsaw Show is produced and presented by Marlene Halliday and Fiona McGregor from Independence Live Media. In this show we look beyond the yes vote to see what kind of country we're going to become. It's the Indie Jigsaw Show. Hello, welcome to the show. We're delighted to have four guests on the show this month and they're all champions of the Scots language in very different ways as I'm sure you're going to enjoy finding out. So for our first guest, here's Marlene chatting to Eileen Budd, who is an illustrator. You're up in the, the glens, aren't you? So far, far away, Angus. Yeah, yeah, near Glen Isla. You were doing a crowdfunder to produce a, a book about the Ossian folklore and, and myths. That was another example of a very successful crowdfunder. How did that feel when it you know, suddenly there was the money and you could go ahead with it. It was amazing. It was, it was so, yeah, it was just brilliant. Also to have that knowledge that people wanted it, you know, and I think that's the joy of a crowdfunder is that you know that it's the people who are after it. You're not just foisting it onto folk. So it was, yeah, it was great. It was this just, yeah, it was overwhelming. And then also there was a bit of pressure. <laughs> yes, yes. So you have to make sure that you make it as best you possibly can. But that, that was good, that was a good pressure. <laughs> uh, have there been any outcomes from the book now being available? So I've been doing uh, some work on a children's version of it because I've been hearing from a lot of people that it's something that they want their, their children to hear, the legends. I've been doing a lot of work with the text to try and make that much more child-friendly. And uh, I got opportunity to go in schools and share some of the legends with about five schools for Scots Week. Great. Which was really exciting, which was just, yeah, fantastic. So now I'm working on a teacher's pack for that. It includes not just stories, but also Scottish folklore as well. You sent me one of the letters that you got from the kids. And actually we've got, we've got one of them here. I'm writing to you to say thank you for coming and sharing your stories and great artwork with our class. I really like the story about the ogre. Our class is doing a debate. You know, you think, God, oh, that's amazing. They're doing a debate about an ogre. Anyway, I really like the story <laughs> about the ogre and the ghost picture, best picture I've ever seen. So it's all great, isn't it? It's really kind of lovely. And then he goes on to say, it's even got me to look at ancient Scottish stories. I hope that you come again and, and tell us more about uh, more about your your stories. That's kind of key, isn't it? it yeah, I got it was just the most wonderful package that arrived, and it was all these letters from the children that I'd met, and it was just magic. I remember there was a few kids in the class who weren't that engaged when I first started talking, and then I showed them the picture of uh, De Grena fighting the Vikings, you know, and just. Seeing in their eyes, they're just incredible. Yeah. I hope it's one of those memories that comes back to me on the deathbed. <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, De Grena. She is a career warrior in Cahoolan's army. In Cahoolan's army, it's an Irish army, but the Caledonian army uh, fight alongside them, their allies. 
and they are in this picture they are repelling the the vikings and Tigrina has uh, a sort of a story of her own but in this picture she's taking vengeance uh, for her husband who's just been killed by the viking army so she, it's a quite emotional picture so i worked on this with my partner as well so i can't take full credit for it <laughs> just to be clear so one of the wee uh, girls who was sitting in class and she wasn't paying attention and the second she saw it she was just tuned in which was magic just magic it to is. see yeah it is magic isn't it i uh, i did the same thing when i saw that <laughs> i saw that one <laughs> Well, that's it. I think a lot of the folklore that we hear from the 19th century is based around, you know, women being princesses or victims. But there are actually a lot of warrior women, a lot of incredibly strong and different characters that are female in Scottish folklore. And Skaha for example, who taught Fingal and Ossian and all those warriors how to fight. You know, she is, uh, she is a princess, but she runs a martial arts school from her Fortress of Shadows in Skye. Now that's a Scottish story, that's a Scottish piece of folklore. An mm. incredibly strong female character, and it's not one that's as widely known as, you know, all the kind of princess fables and things. So it was very yeah. important to me when we were working on the book and working on the illustrations that that side of Scottish folklore was portrayed. So, I mean, a lot of the stories in Austin, they are quite male, but there are some amazing female characters in there. So it's just really uh, important to get one across. And I think that's possibly why it's been such uh, a key engaging image, especially when talking to uh, talking to other women <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and children as well, you know. But one of the things though that the, the kids in the class noticed about the kids in the classes noticed about that were the people getting stabbed through the eyeballs and things <laughs> with arrows. <laughs> yeah, they'd pick uh, up on that probably quite quite readily yeah, really, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. they, were, they were so into the kind of grim things. It was it was it was great because like so many of the stories in the Ossian book, they link back to, you know, Scottish folk tradition and uh, the really ancient Scottish culture. So uh, I was able to, to talk to them about, you know, things I wouldn't have actually imagined that I would have been able to talk to them about, you know, things like, you know, it used to be like, you know, centuries <laughs> BC. It was nothing to mummify a member of your family when they died and then just have them in the Husvia, you know, they were still there, they were still present. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, buddied under the floorboards and then... Yeah, but yeah. Buddy okay. And then, you know, and then, I, you know, I could talk about the, you know, the transition of that and how those buddy cairns became, you know, fairy mounds and how the oh. fairy stories are actually from really, really ancient stories about spirits and ancestors and so it was really, it was really great to see them tune into that because they love the creepy stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our dark humour is part of our culture. It's, it's a massive part of who, who we are and our national identity. And so yeah. to be able to 
primary kids about that was really important to me. Got on to talking about the beneficial effects on, I mean, kids, yes, kids, but a bit, but, but the rest of us as well. But having something about that connection with the Scots language that maybe things are changing now to kind of bring the language back and, and to be able to, well, to, to value it. But, but what always strikes me about it, and it did when I was looking, looking at through, through, through everything that's in your book, is a sense of a deeper belonging to who you are and the people that you're in the same nation as and the folk that you belong to. And I, I get to the point sometimes where I, it actually makes me cry with it. You know, I start greeting with it because that sense of belonging goes really, well, it goes quite deep with me. But I think that's quite a common thing. I think there's a huge connection. Yeah, it's all connected. I mean, there's a great story about a boy who's walking along and he sees a deer skull and, he, and uh, his granny asks him to, to describe it. And he goes, well, you know, it's white, it's bony and stuff. And she's like, no, no, like, see from the skull's perspective. So he picks it up and he puts his finger in its eye hole and he starts describing, you know, the hills and the valleys and the animals and the sights and the smells and the sounds. And when he puts the skull down again, his granny goes, well, now you understand that, you know, there's two different times that are always running together at the same time. You know, there's stories and then there's the here and now. And it's a really important story, I think, to do with Scottish culture uh, because our stories, our language, our culture, our heritage is so linked to the landscape yeah. around us. You know, so you're talking about Scots language and their sense of belonging. And we always start when, you know, or I tend to start when people ask, you know, where are you from? You know, yeah. so you talk about the place, but it's not just the place, you know, it's the, it's the stories around that place. It's the names, it's the place names. And you've got place names in Scots, place names in Gaelic, place names that combine the two and some of those place names relate to stories and some mm. of them relate to historic events it's all one big thing and culturally that's something that i think scottish people particularly are tuned into you know it's part of our it, it is part of our national identity there's so much in scots language that describes weather and land and you know natural elements and it's the same in gaelic yeah. So it's something yeah. we're yeah, we're geared into. We're geared into the stories, we're geared into our land. You know, it's all part of who we are and we're so connected with it. And I think that's something about learning our languages because you know, our collective memory, which is stored in stories and history and things like that, it's uh, our culture. It's very powerful stuff, isn't it? BBC Alba's got this programme it's called in Gaelic it's cherished. I think that's how it's pronounced. Anyway, it means the land and the language. Basically, you're with a guy who's out hill walking and he's just telling you what the names of this is the red shoulder of the hill or that's the Black River down there. Or, and, and he knows that connection. He knows the connection. Obviously, there's what the words mean, but then there's also what the words indicate in terms of what's happened there and the, and what people did there and it's fascinating and without having a program like that or knowing just even a little bit of Gaelic you just miss it you go for a, a hill walk and it's fantastic 
but you met all those connections. I just wanted to shift us a little bit to introduce our, our um, watchers of the, the show to something else that you do, um, Eileen, and you, you do it, you do it so well. So I'm just, I'm going to show one of the little videos that you've done. And this one is about the 1707 Treaty of the Union. Now, this being a podcast edit, we can't show you the video that Eileen made, but we will drop a copy of it into our companion YouTube channel, which is IndieLive Extra. I'll put the link in the notes for this show, and if you're interested, go and have a look. It's really good. It's well worth seeing. So I pick them up from Instagram, because I notice when you post them on Instagram, and I think maybe they're on YouTube as well. So. Can you tell us what gets you in, inspired to make wee snippets like that? There's so many bits of our history which we're not taught, you know. And I think a lot of the time, we, uh, if we hear about it at all, we hear about ourselves as victims, uh, essentially, which is, which is frustrating. Because Scotland, Scottish people have done such amazing things in the world. And so things like that, things about the background, how people actually felt about the Treaty of Union at the time, that struck a chord with me, especially in relation to current conversations. And so I wanted to make something that was, uh, you know, quite short, but as much information about it as I could, so that when people saw that, they could, you know, investigate it for themselves, look into it more, read it you know, read into it if they were interested. And then the other ones that I do that aren't very much kind of indie related are just incredible people from history, particularly women. If I find a story about a strong woman from Scottish history that we haven't heard about, we don't know about, I try uh, very hard to make something, just as something short, just that catches people's eye, that goes, ah, there's a thing, there's an interesting thing, you know, and it's also, I think, for, for the pro-indie stuff, it's trying to capture some nice little points where if, you know, if people are uh, just having something that's kind of quick reference, you could sort of show your pals or yeah. uh, a relative yeah. who's not quite sure. And you know what um, strikes me often about the ones that you, you feature is that they're, they're just kind of like ordinary folk small folk in that poem by um, Kath and Jamie, you know, just small folk and, and yet they do, they, yeah. they sometimes do just extraordinary, extraordinary things. Go to Eileen Bud's Instagram account and uh, you'll, you'll find out more there. But remember that you are a people and fight for your right. There is richness under your feet. And she was there fighting for her people who were crofters. Eileen, thanks again. It's just been really great to talk to you. Thank you. You can order a copy of Eileen's book, Ossian, Warrior Poet, from wideopensea.co.uk. And now for our next guest. We're here with Scots lead poet, Angus Shere Khan, and we're in Saltcoats. She made me a bit tatty with a goose-liver patty. I washed it all down with a drink that was brim. I think she says it was latte. Angus has just been showing us the wild and stormy harbour, which was the incoming wave. Yeah. The incoming wave, it was fabulous. And um, Angus has brought us a selection of his books. 
We know you do poetry. You've got 15 books sitting there. Yes, uh, I've done the spoken word uh, performance. Mm -hmm. I belong to uh, a group in Paisley called Fundamental Conduit. We haven't done nothing in two years, obviously. But we've done a few charity gigs, mm -hmm. which is very enjoyable. You start there spouting with poetry. And I remember James E. putting on one of his shows. He had a couple of your tracks on because I think he'd sent me them, and it was almost like beat poets. You know, yeah. it was the background yeah. music and the. Yeah, we've done the CD. You've also been um, nominated anyway for the Scots Language Performer well, of that the was Year. Last year, I think. Uh -huh. yeah. 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 Did you know you'd been nominated? Is that I was so? told. Uh, yeah. Um, How did you feel about that? Oh, quite happy. Huh? Yeah. The program that we're doing, it's going to be about the sort of flourishing of the Scots language after yeah. having been. Repressed, suppressed, suppressed yeah. yeah. So tell us about that. Were you one of the ones who was told not to use it at school and Definitely. reprimanded? What Definitely. was it? What was that like? And my parents as well. It's not this, it's that, like you know, and all that. So, but since you had the playground, it's all the slang you hear your uncle saying, your older siblings, older people saying, you use that, you employ that, and that, and that's your street language. But you're in the, cl in the class, and it's yes, miss, no miss, three bags full. Yeah. So you speak proper English then, yeah. but uh, it's just a joy to speak how we speak. And isn't it lovely that so many of the young folks seem to be having the confidence to actually sing and write and I think they're encouraging their skill to, to actually use it, huh? Yeah. Slang and whatever else. Yeah. Oh, well, what we dismiss as slang is actually Scots language, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's words. There's so many dialects. They're trying to standardise it, which is, I think, impossible. Aye. Yeah. We're trying to think what Scotland's going to be like after a yes vote, which we're convinced is going to happen. We were convinced eight years ago. Maybe. I know, yeah. I know. But this time, that was the dress rehearsal. This is this is the real one. Um, but in terms of Scots and the language, I mean, language is so much part of our culture. But do, do you think that post-independence, can you imagine that Scots flourishing again? Or oh, Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. There's, there's places on Facebook where people are trying to learn Scots, foreign people. Yeah. So they can come here and obviously blend in or whatever, like, you know. Mm -hmm. So there'll be an uprising, I'm sure of it, like, you know, there will be a, a plenty more television presenters, etc., etc. I mean, your football pundits and that, they, they use it. I mean, you can imagine once we've not got the sort of, well, BBC, Scotland, I mean, we won't have the BBC, no. we'll be Scottish broadcasting no, of some kind. Culturally, you wonder if that's going to have an influence, if you, why would you have BBC cut glass presenter accents? Exactly. I mean, BBC Radio, I listen to like, say Ian Anderson, and he just speaks like us, uh, Billy Sloan and people like that, Roddy Hart, speak like we speak. We're trying to be a, an open, welcoming country, of course, and, and we do. We know we need immigration to keep our numbers up, apart from anything else. Do you think it's a, it's a barrier for people? Yeah. It's easy enough to pick up. See, once you get into the, uh, the syntax of it, like, you know, and, and the rhythm of it. Like. It's what you're learning, what you hear around you, aren't you? I lived in the uh, northwest of England for almost 30 years, and every street corner's got a different dialect. <laughs> and a lot of it's biblical, the, 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 this, like, you know. Yeah. They don't. They never broke it down for me, but I slowed my accent down, so I didn't have to repeat myself every five minutes. <laughs> but every street corner, a, a different way of saying something like yeah. that. Crazy. Parishy sort of thing. Like yeah, that. yeah. And, that, and that's how it was. They're all the enclaves and whatever yeah. else. Yeah. That's it. Tribes, maybe. Uh. So your books, your novels, are they written in Scots? Or are no. They... no. What, why did Just you... Poems. We're your audience. Right, yeah. Plain and simple, you know, with your audience. Yeah. You know. They're all based here. 
the characters maybe begin here and then move elsewhere sort of thing but they're based here right and are they based on people you know or are they oh no to say <laughs> that first book scoosh and one or two read it and said i know him and i know him and i said you don't know that <laughs> i know who that was and i know who that was but no they didn't uh, they, they could recognize certain traits in certain people when you know it. Yeah. And I just embroider it a bit. Ah, the, it composites of people yeah. that you know, I'm sure. And you were telling us when we were out at the, the windswept harbour that you, you do that walk every day. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, and oh. I'll go sit up in sunshine and get soaked. I mean, I don't mind. Yeah. yeah I'm never far to go to get home. But there's no shelter on the, on the actual shoreline. Uh-huh. So it's a bit of a bind that. Yeah. Well, right now it's a it's a beautiful beautiful view over to Arran with the snow yeah. on the, the hills, isn't it? Yeah. But I can imagine it would be a bit rough at uh, midwinter. You'd said that that was where you got your inspiration for your. Well, your I can walk along there with my music on and just mind my own business. And with any poems, it's I hear a word in a song or I, or I see something and, and what rhymes with that? What rhymes with that? Uh -huh. And that's me away. Yeah. And I talk them into my phone and. Transcribe them later on, yeah. dig them up. What would you like the impact of those to be? Is it? Oh, I don't really know. I mean, it's like street poetry. It's, uh, yeah. and you can take it or leave it. There's, there's, I was doing a recital, doing a, a performance in a pub, and this woman and I know her, and she had a drink in her, and she said, "Her man's not having his pint." And she says, "We don't talk like that." <laughs> and her man spat his beard. Did you just hear what you said there? We don't talk like that. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I really enjoy the ones that just, you know, you might be talking about something totally inconsequential, but there's this wee little limerick about it and it's... Um, well, that, that's yeah. the idea of it. It's just like we're sitting here and I'm telling you a story on the table, yeah. you know. And the same in my books, that's how I try to write, like I'm sitting there actually reading it to you or telling you the story of it, like, yeah. you know, so the reader gets it all from me, like, you know. Yeah. And where, where are your books available? Ed? Uh, Amazon mostly. I still want to travel. I should have been in Australia last year. No. A year passed in November for a wedding, but COVID. Uh. But the, so the wedding was rearranged for the, the December, they got another date. And that went ahead, so obviously I wasn't there. But I've got an invitation to just go there whenever I like. You know. yeah. So you really need to know when the referendum date is, though, don't you? So you can plan around it. <laughs> I'll get a, a postal vote then, won't I? I'm, I'm going to be a ah, vote, of course, I? yes, of well, course. That's all, that's all planned. <laughs> yeah. What are you thinking about the referendum? Well, when it fell the last time, it was like a kick to my stomach. I really was physically mm -hmm. sick. I went to bed thinking, oh, we've walked this. And that was a general consensus, I think. Like, you know, well, more people I knew and that, like, you know, and then... To see that vote the following day was uh, hellish. And were you involved in the campaign? Uh, not to a great extent, no. no just just a supportive. supportive. Mm -hmm. There are a few poems here and there about it, but yeah. there are a few and far between. I really have to dig them out, and there's five and a half thousand to go at. So. Oh, wow. Aye. So, you, do you think that could be part of a campaign? Is that something you would be interested in doing? Of course, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've said to my mates, like, give me a subject and I'll give you a poem in five minutes. And the first one I got was called True. I was lying in my bed and a, a broadcaster, a, a newsreel come on. There's been an incident in True. And I thought, where the hell's True? And then I thought, what rhymes with True? Just out of the blue. I was out sauntering down around True when a big police motor flagged me down. They asked me where did I get the suit. Turn every one of my focus suits. 
I'll be right in now, Mason. So immediately I thought, oh, I'll read that, didn't you? Before, like, phones were there to talk into, it was pen and paper by the bedside uh, in case you got flash inspiration. You were reading my sockets. No. Go to sleep, shut the brick, go to sleep. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. The sockets woman. A wee sockets woman in dinner wins on a package holiday to Spain. Youngest two wee Sam and Ella thought their fizzers were on paella and got a dose of the skitters for their pains. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> Having you recite those right in front of us, mm. it's much more animated than we, your videos uh, that, that you do. That is a visual one because Sam and Because Ella, of the sizes, yeah. Sam and Ella's a food poison as well, like, you know, so... Oh, of course. Yeah. Oh, clever, yes. clever. <laughs> so I ended up, I had five or six and I'm still going to get ready to scramp here and I got up, it was a lovely summer's evening. Just wrote these down and by the time I was done, 40 minutes later, 22 um, Wow. And then I'm out walking on the shore the following day, what rings with that? What rings with that? What rings with that? And I've got poor buzzing about me. Mm. I have a poor memory. And my publisher at the time, she's a quiet at the minute. I said, I said I've got all these poems. I've just got out of thin air, he says, we don't do poetry, son. So she send them to me. An hour later, he says, find a cover, he says, and we'll get it all sorted out. That was the first one published. Excellent. and odd McLimerick, she's come up with that, like, you know, the McLimerick's thing. Mm. She's very good. It's no been worries. lovely sitting, listening to your... It's been a pleasure. Off. So, yeah, thank you very much, and uh, keep on with the poems, and keep sending us them. And do. if anybody wants to see a selection of Angus's poems, if you look on the Indie Life YouTube channel, Angus has his own playlist on that channel. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for your pleasure. time. Um, Angus, sure can, and this is just for sure. When I cast an envious eye to the plains up in the sky, I've a hell of a hankering to go where the sun's no just for show and the terrain is mostly dry. So we're rattling through the show here and this is now our third guest who is Iona Fife, traditional Scot singer, although not only that, she's also not bad at uh, jazz and American folk uh, tunes as well. So here's the interview with Iona. You were crowdfunding for your new album. I was watching it as it kind of crept up and then it went, you know, went high very quickly. And, and I think that meant you got additional funds from Creative Scotland. That must have been fantastic. You also got a couple of awards. Musician of the Year at the Scots Traditional Music Awards. And then in Asher as well, you got the title of Speaker of the Year at the Scots language awards so that sounds to me like that was quite a year you had yeah well i can't believe it's been a year since i kind of launched the the crowdfunder it's been a really mental year the awards are really nice and it's lovely to get recognized for for doing all the kind of stuff that you do i guess they're not the be all and end all but it's it's lovely to know that people like what you do um in terms of how far the album has come what i actually ended up doing is um releasing some singles first I kind of got a bit fear about like oh tricky second album what am I going to do and I had the concept and everything lined up but um, there were some things that I wanted to do first so um, I was able to with the funds make a few new singles um, which kind of rocked the boat a little bit of kind of style and genre um, so they came out last year and there's still one to come out 
And in the meantime, I've been behind the scenes prepping all the ballads and kind of learning some new ones and writing the second album. So really, it's taken much longer than I thought it would. But um, I'm just really glad that, you know, the funds are still there. It's going to be released, hopefully, in 2022. Um, but these things take so long eh, yeah. to, to iron out. And I've caught you once or twice on, um, I think it was a BBC Alba show. I've started doing Duolingo Gaelic. So I've started watching BBC Alba a lot more. And I'm, I'm sure I saw you on a, um, appearing, having an appearance in one of those um, music programmes not that long ago. Yeah, um, not, not so much, too much on BBC Alba but we did film one show for Under Canvas and it was like an outdoor gig up in Inverness and it was really good fun. Um, but there's there's a lot of times where I do TV things and really it's, it's lovely. I just get to kind of speak and then exemplify what I'm speaking about with a little song. So recently I was on the Michael Pertullo show um, and I, I genuinely thought when I went into that, I was like, oh no, does he know what he's getting into with me? And um, actually, it was a really, really cool. Um, he was very nice. Like he was, mm. it was really, yeah. It was, it was nice. The the railway thing. And then yeah. you know, I was born in, in '98, so I didn't really understand what the crack was with him. Um, and I didn't know, I didn't know how. You know, he was very Tory, and he, actually, our conversation was very respectful. And, and he's mm -hmm. he's a charming person. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm sure he is. Yeah, yeah. The, the TV things are really are really nice and it's, it's really cool to put the northeast on the map um and there might be another show coming out soon but there's also a bbc northern ireland thing coming out on the 27th of february um which is called hame and it's the link between scotland and northern ireland in terms wow. of linguistics um so it's been cool over 2021 to film all these different shows um because people want to hear about the Scots language and they want to hear about you know it from a kind of young perspective so it's, it's yes. been really like the whole yeah. year has been full of opportunities in the places that I didn't think I'd have them yeah fantastic I think of you, you know as being primarily a Scots singer but that's I mean in Scots I mean but actually I, I was listening to I think it's an EP you set out with about six tracks on it called Dark Turn of the Mind is that what is that if I remember yeah, dark, it correctly dark turn of minds. that yeah. was I mean that's interesting because I mean I listened to it and and I mean, I was getting kind of echoes, well, there's sort of quite jazzy kind of rhythms in it. And it reminded me of some more like American folk singing. And Yeah, that was an EP that I um, recorded back in 2019. And it was the first Hi. three songs that I kind of sung in English. Um, and it, it was cool to do that. But if you came to like an actual, you know, a physical gig, I've got some songs in English, some in Scots, some that I've written myself, some that are much more Americana, um, bluegrass, old time. I actually have a completely different band called The Aldeners, um, which is dedicated to only doing American folk music, and that features an American musician in it. So um, yeah, I'm really interested in, in the links between Aberdeenshire and Appalachia, um, and I've just well, joined right. the board yeah. of a folk music organisation over in Kansas City. So um, it's yeah, it's really it's really cool to to mix the two cultures because they are so intertwined. Um, yeah. It is, oh yeah. It's lovely yeah. to sing in English, but um, I think that the USP is that you can maybe do both and kind of fly the flag for for both. Say we we, we turned to that that Scots Language Award where you were you were you got the Scots Speaker of the Year. Um, I think a big part of that was maybe the, the Spotify hang, getting Spotify to ah, recognise right. Scots as a language, which is, you know, it's almost been a hail year since they've done that. And um, since then, there's been loads of different cool things that's been happening. We've got um, 
Firefox in Scots, so you can download um, this browser and survey the internet in the Scots language. And that's really Great. cool because it, it means that younger folk are going to access the language through technology. Um, and that's that's really great for for folk to access the language that's not through yeah. a book or through hearing. It's actually like interactive. Um, so I think that kind of was a catalyst for a lot of things that, that went on. And just, yeah, I think it was lovely. It was a public vote. So um, all the lovely people that listen to my music kindly gave me their vote. Um, there was so many other worthy uh, recipients, you know, it could have been anybody. Yes, 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 indeed. I mean, there's a, there was a lot of choice, a lot of good choices there. So what do you think the, the future is going to bring for, for Scots as a language? And Because it's had a bit of a rough past, hasn't it? I mean, it's been suppressed and downgraded mm -hmm. a bit. In fact, there's even people say, oh, well, it's not really a language, is it? It's just a dialect. In March, there's going to be the census, and Scots again is on the census as a question: Do you understand? Can you read? Can you write? Can you like the question is um, just because you don't use Scots in your everyday doesn't mean you don't understand it. Yeah, so yeah. if I were you, I'd be clicking. I do understand it. Oh yeah, um, I will be. In that census, <laughs> yeah, that that census is actually really going to change maybe how we go about getting a Scots Language Act. Um, just two nights ago, I got a chance to speak at the Scots CPG, um, which kind of disbanded around 2014, and there was loads of other stuff on the go. Um, but it's been reinstated by Emma Harper, um, oh, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, being part of policy making in Scots is important, and Our Vice, the organisation that I've been working with um, on a kind of voluntary basis our main objective is to get a Scots Language Act to put into legislation that's actually a language and it'll get funded and promoted and protected as such and hopefully we'd hear mere broadcasters speaking in Scots. Um, you know, because since Robbie Shepherd left, there's really nobody that yeah. uses yeah. Scots yeah. as much as he yeah. did. Um, but part of that is making sure that dialects don't kind of run over their, their heels because we've got loads of different dialects, but the language is Scots, the dialect is Doric, the dialect is Shetland, yeah. the dialect is yeah. Arcadian, but Scots is the overarching umbrella term for it all. Yeah. So yeah. I think like it's there's loads of opportunities for Scots to get recognised just the same as, as Gaelic. And it means that there'll be there's more Scots in education now than there kind of was um a project that I'm hopefully gonna take part in soon is um creating a resource for um, Scots singers to use in their exams in school. So when they do their performance exams, they don't have to do classical, they can do their folk songs and it'll be graded so that they can, you know, they know what standard that they're singing at. So there's loads of opportunities to raise the profile of Scots without legislation. But ultimately, I think legislation is what myself and other folk kind of need because Aye. It's um, it is really discriminated against like folk that use Scots like written Dune, it still feels a bit um weird because it's it's really a spoken language and then well it's not really actually. You've got Alan Ramsey and whatever and Burns and Violet Jacobs. I I do think that um it will things are gonna change. And the way that people are um accessing mm -hmm. Scots poems, Scots songs is really different different nowadays. It's not in a book, it's on TikTok, it's on Instagram, yeah, it's on different things. Yeah. yeah. So um it, it's only the only why is up really yeah yeah i mean that's interesting isn't it just like new technology coming coming in and and, and enabling enabling it to just go forward a, a bit more and, and and like and reach new people as well actually i must admit i haven't got as far as tiktok myself but um but you know <laughs> I, I, I mean it is more of a that is more of a kind of platform that younger people use and if there's a presence there that's that's just that's just fantastic 
I hadn't heard of the plan for a Scots language bill at Holyrood. And I know Emma Harper is really, really kind of keen on it and, and promotes Scots language, Scots language at all, uh, a lot. But I hadn't heard of that plan. It's fantastic. So if you Google Urvice, like O-O-R-V-Y-C-E, um, you'll find the whole campaign for a Scots language act. Basically, we are separate from, we're not funded. Um, Organisations like the Scots Language Centre have links with the government, so they can't actually lobby for an act. But yeah. we are completely on our own. We're self, you know, relatively self-funded using volunteers. So um, basically in the SNP um, manifesto, um, they said that they would be looking into what is a Scottish languages bill. And that would encapsulate, hopefully, a Scots language act in that bill, as well as, um, you know, further additions or amendments to the Gaelic language act, which is great. Uh, the Green manifesto had um, had a statement saying, you know, we want to promote Scots, Gaelic and Doric. So they've missed the mark there because Doric is not a language, um, it's just a Gaelic <laughs> Um, but yeah, there's getting it on the political agenda is really important, but making sure that it's not politicised is important and all, because like over in Northern Ireland, we've got, you know, we've got Gaelic and we've got Ulster Scots, but they're politicised to a hilt that they beat each other up with it. Um, you know, Ulster Scots is really taken forward and there's loads of signages up in places only because, you know, the people who are campaigning for Ulster Scots are often um, saying, oh, well, Gaelic's got this, so we should have this. And it's created a very, uh, there's a lot of animosity yeah. there, I think, because, uh, of the, you know, because of the po politics there. But luckily over here, you know, Scots and Gaelic speakers are really friendly with it in another. And when we look at our legislation, I think we'll be building upon the Gaelic Language Act. Um, I mean, I'm not a legislator. I just sing in Scots. I'm really passionate <laughs> about it. But yeah, it's important to get it into the classroom. And the other night at yeah, the CPG, yeah. the entire um, topic was on Scots and education. And we've actually heard that something called the Scots Language Award, which is something that kids can sit in secondary school, has actually proven to narrow the attainment gap. So we're already seeing the wow. benefits of allowing kids to uh, read and write in their own language um, so yeah hopefully made of that in schools yeah. and resources for kids to use because it's not like it's not bad English it's no that you can't speak English it's that you can debate um, you know my entire degree was in, in Scots literature well it was in Scots song but part of that was looking at Scots, Scots literature and um, being able to understand uh, that is, is amazing because it's a separate language and only when you really read the broad stuff do you realise how how different it is. And, you know, even even saying one to twelve in Scots, like ain, twa, three, four, five, six, seven, acht, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, it's not as simple as English, it's, it's different, you know, yeah, it's, it's different. It's, it's yeah, it's different. What you just said about that effect that they'd found on, on kids and, you know, the attainment gap, which is, after all, something that the Scottish government's been trying to, it's, it's been putting a lot of resources on that for years now, and it, and it is getting somewhere. That's just um, really, uh, really going to good to hear. But yeah, the, the effect of it is really having young, hopefully the younger generation feeling a wee bit better about their sense of cultural identity identity and they having this like yeah. Scottish cringe yeah. that so many yeah. people have and you know Scottish cringe just doesn't happen it, it's because it's conditioned into you by school or by your parents like you know the cringiness of oh I'm Scottish like 
it's it doesn't just happen. Hopefully, yeah. um, Mayor Scott's in the classroom or just in general in media and broadcasting will make sure that you know kids are not you know they've not got this sense of Scottish cringe and they feel better about their own identity. And sometimes that means that you know I always thought I am really working class. That's where I came from. Um, but just because you speak a certain way doesn't mean that you're 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 you know you shouldn't feel yeah. ashamed about it. It's actually oh, a skill. Exactly. Spent over a year now trying to put a bit of knowledge about speaking Gaelic, and so you learn the Gaelic for a particular word in English, and I go, oh, but that's a Scots word, or it's very like the Scots word. So there's obviously loads of crossover. No, like like Gaelic for trousers is breakish and and I mean, sure I mean if you're Scots, yeah. you know what breaks means. You know, they don't. I never thought mm -hmm. of that as being particularly a Gaelic word. It's just all very enriching, isn't it? Yeah, and there is a few yeah. few mere there that with things. It it is cool, and um, I think like the the mere that we can encourage language learning of any language is great. But like I also find Scots really similar to Danish. I was over in Denmark oh. last year for uh, the first European tour that like I've had in years, and um, you know the word for songwriter is sangskriver in both Danish oh, and right. Scots. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. it's uh, yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good. So just want to say thanks so much for coming on. Well, I so enjoyed talking to Iona there, Fiona. I, I don't know what struck you about it, but so one of the things I found out was what she said about uh, Emma Harper, the MSP from south of Scotland, who bringing that bill through Parliament uh, to, you know, to make uh, Scots more of a, a formally accepted third language. I hadn't heard anything about that, but um, I'm, I'm certainly going to keep my eye out for the, for, for the news on it. I'm sitting here thinking maybe we could get Emma Harper to come and talk to us as oh, well. Maybe we could. Anything strike you? Yes, I mean that, that bit in particular I was interested in, but the thing that struck me just from both Iona and also Eileen earlier, in fact all of our guests, is just how much they're involved in. You know so much that they're doing that I think when I was their age I don't think I had I was doing much more than going to work and coming home you know but, but they're involved in legislation campaigning and a lot of it they're doing it you know voluntarily the, the crowdfunding that it, it's just inspirational what they're doing gives yeah. you hope for the future yeah uh, yes indeed indeed and if you thought Scots was just about literature and song the gamers amongst you are in for a real treat Our next guest, we have uh, Marco Cafola, also known to those of us who uh, have, have met him on Discord as Cobra. Welcome, Marco. This show is, uh, we're looking at particularly Scots language and how it's beginning to flourish and how we're seeing it more and more. And the last time we chatted to you, you had done some very innovative work with computer games with Scots language. Do you want to tell us a bit about where you've got to with that. Yeah, so far the games we received really, really well. Just been working really hard that uh, since the last time we spoke and the game is very close to completion now. I'd say if everything goes right, I should be able to have it done by May and released oh, then. Wow. I think the last time we spoke, you were thinking you might try taking on, was it Valve and see if they, you could get the language listed as Scots. Did you get anywhere with that? Yeah. I got a good few hundred uh, signatures, which is a lot more than I thought I'd get. And I did email it to Gabe Newell, who is the CEO of the company, but didn't hear anything back. But at least I gave it a good shot. 
absolutely yeah. at the end of the yeah. day that's yeah it's little steps isn't it you don't have to win the entire battle in one go but the more that people get used to having these kind of requests even the more they think about it i think yeah right? exactly um i even got some press coverage over the petition so i feel like that was the most i could have realistically hoped for and i've achieved that i think yeah absolutely and anybody else who's seen that coverage it might encourage them to have a go anything that promotes validity of the scots language i think is is well worthwhile that's one of the biggest reasons why i'm making games in mm -hmm. scots i want to increase the exposure and validity of the language because i feel like it's really woefully underrepresented re in scottish culture and were you one of the folk who were at, at school were made to speak proper english or were you, were you sort of a generation after that no it was a that was a thing for me growing up as well my parents were like that. Like every time we used any Scots word, they like speak proper. That statement's a bit ironic, considering that the phrase is actually in Scots grammar. If you want it in English, you would say "speak properly." But they say <laughs> "speak proper," so I found that very ironic. It's interesting because we we were chatting to Angus Shirkan, and he's more of my generation. Um, and he said that was very much a, a part of his growing up, and it wasn't just in school. It was his his family members, you know, his mother, his uncles. And he had a language for the playground and a language for the classroom. Yeah, that's definitely our experience as well, uh, my generation. I think that um, the, the work that you're doing, everybody who's promoting the language, it's challenging that, isn't it? It's trying to um, reclaim our culture. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel like. You see anything from Italy, it's going to be in Italian, isn't it? Or from France, it's going to be in French. Like, I sort of want that kind of thing from Scotland. Like, if you see something from Scotland, you expect it to be Scots or Scottish Gaelic. That's my end goal. Apart from the, the game, you were telling me that you've started on a Scots wiki. Tell us a bit about that. I'm sure you've heard of the controversy that broke out in 2020. American teenagers that were admins of the wiki and they didn't understand Scots grammar properly. I actually knew the, the admin that was targeted the most. And I thought I wanted to help. I wanted to do something, so I thought, Try and organize some event to edit the wiki. I told Michael Dempster about it and he seemed like excited about the idea. So I ended up telling all, everyone he knew and eventually got me in touch with the community UK. And the event was a great success, I think. Are you hosting the wiki or, or are you promoting it? It's sort of both. Like I'm responsible for making the pages for the editathon, getting a list, list of pages to make and to fix. Whereas the behind-the-scenes stuff, it's all down to Sarah Thomas who does that. How big is it? Well, the initial event had about, I think, 32,000 edits and about wow. 30 editors, which was pretty good. And if people want to have a look at it, how do they find it? It's called the Big Scots Rewrite. Is this entirely being done by volunteers? Are you getting any funding or any support or anything? No, it's entirely volunteer-driven. In recent events, we've started to try and get Scots personalities do talks during the events. Oh, right, and yeah. The last one, January, had Michael Dempster. And is this something you're doing regularly then? It's a bi-monthly thing. We plan to do one next month oh. in March. How can people get involved if they'd like to be part of it? If you go on the Scots Wiki and look up this big Scots rewrite, you'll get all the details you need there. If anybody's interested in having a look and taking part, ideally. Please help us. Yes, please help. Please help. And I've noticed that um, attitudes towards Scots has changed as well. There was what there was recently an article from I think the Herald was about Rabbi Burns, and they were called Scots a Dalek there. But uh, the Scottish community on Reddit basically a bit of an outrage about it, and they got them to change it to language, and that's the mm -hmm. first time I ever call that happening. So I think it's a step in the right direction.
and and even the fact that they're challenging it is good. Oh yeah, for sure. Back to the game for a second. Did I see that you have a Patreon account for that? Is that right? I do. Want... Yeah, I've got a composer who's made the music for the game. Um, and they're really, really good, but they're quite expensive. So, mm -hmm. like, if I get enough supporters, I can also use the funds towards the live action cutscenes I want to film. I mean, there was a point that um, it was Iona had made, which I thought was really interesting. In the past, people interact with language using your traditional spoken and written word, whereas nowadays we're moving into a space where it's actually technology that's allowing people to to interact. I saw in Discord there's now a Scots language version of the Human Rights Act. So that, that seems to me to be quite a new development and quite a recent development. Is that is that something you've been taking an interest in? Oh, definitely. Um, I actually have a personal website in Scots and obviously my game dev website uh, for Swordplay Games is Scots as well. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's great that uh, like Firefox has is available in Scots now basically oh. just use it exclusively and it will switch to it so open street maps is like a google maps alternative that's also available in scots oh excellent and is it, it's called stravaging the web isn't it in scots i uh, it, it's <laughs> called a, a web stravager a web stravager oh. isn't that fabulous <laughs> yeah it, i love it it's like full of neologisms like for example like safe mode in scots is called fankle fixing mode <laughs> Which I absolutely love. That is brilliant. So what's next then? You've obviously never short of ideas of... Uh, I've got a couple of more game ideas of what I do. Yeah. I also want to try and uh, dip my toes into like filmmaking, which I really oh. try, I try to do with this game. Because uh -huh. I want to try and make films in Scots. Um, if you want to make some films and uh, chuck them our way, we'll see about getting them on our, our YouTube. Yeah, I think definitely think that technology-wise, it's gotten a lot easier to make film. But I think the problem is the social aspect, like trying to get actors and trying to get a room in props. I find that, I find that really difficult right now. Actually, a question that uh, we've we've got in the, the chat about, have you come across the Ossian warrior poet? I have thought I don't really follow poetry, to be honest. And it's uh, a piece of work that um, Eileen Budd has been working on, which is collecting sort of Scottish myths and legends around Ossian. She's been bringing them up to date with illustrations, which are very much in the style of kind of Japanese anime things. And oh. we were just, uh, when we were chatting to her for this programme, it just struck us that they would make great computer games. And some of them, it was almost in the style of, um, you know, like Elder Scrolls, that kind of, almost a Lord of the Rings type thing. And we, it, we just thought it was wonderful that she was using characters from Scott's myth and putting them in such an accessible way. And she's been going into schools and sharing the, the myths and the legends with children. And it's the illustrations that are really getting their attention imagery that they recognize it's really very exciting i just wondered if you'd if you'd come across that at all maybe one to look out for maybe uh maybe that will give you some games inspiration i would actually love to do that one day uh just look up what kind of scottish mythology there is and just make a game out of that like you see a lot of uh like you mentioned japan there's a lot of games and manga out there based on japanese mythology like there's potential for us to do something like that but with scots uh, Scotland, rather. 
I don't really know much about Scottish mythology, probably because it's not really something we're taught in schools, apart from the negative stuff. I think it's great that you're you're trying to weave Scots into everyday popular stuff like games. It, it just seems to me to be a, a perfect way to get younger people more engaged with their language and, and have that confidence. So That was sort of why I, I started to do what I'm doing, because I noticed the community like before like I started doing my stuff was all about just poetry and things that is good for like old generations, but I don't think it's gonna try it was gonna attract younger people, so I thought I should do something about that. I personally won't rest until I see Scots as our primary language and used every day. Yeah, if I don't succeed, I want to be remembered for trying. Absolutely. Well, and I think what the fact that you're raising the profile of the language is is also going to inspire other people to do it and all that kind of makes it more likely that you're going to achieve that goal because you're actually doing it. Like, I might be the first who's making, like, not the first making games, but one of the first people who's making these these medium and Scots, but I don't want to be the last. Thank you very much for that. It's It was great to get the update from you and keep in touch with us and let us know what you're, what you're working on. And Thanks a lot. Thanks for talking, it was nice. Good. Okay, catch you later. Bye now. If you'd like to see a demo of Marco's game Pink Eye, gamerstormscots.wordpress.com. So that was an interesting, uh, an interesting different take, wasn't it? From that was from great. I, I so enjoyed all talking to all four of our guests. I mean, mm. they're all champions of you know Scots language in the, in their own very different ways. But mm. I, uh, I I really enjoyed it, and, and it has got me had had me thinking about you know I've I've said to you before, Fiona. I you know I I hardly I don't really think of myself as speaking Scots. So kind of, I don't speak very broad Scots, but I do understand it, and I, you know, I understand it spoken, I understand it uh, written, and uh, uh, quite soon we'll we'll be filling up the next census form with mm. a question about what languages do you speak. So I'm going to take Scots. Good for you. Well, I'm going to take that I understand it. I'm not going to pretend I speak it. <laughs> the thing I love as well about listening to all of our guests is just that confidence. You know, the fact oh, that, that yeah. that language, it's part of our culture. It's almost like we're all reclaiming it. My grandparents on my mum's side would be very happy about that because uh, <laughs> the pair of them spoke pretty broad, had pretty broad Angus accents. Um, they'd, be, they'd be chuckling away. That's all we've got for you this month's Jigsaw Show. Our next Jigsaw Show will be on the 1st of April. But before then, we've got our other show, Mibby's Eye, and the theme of that will be currency. And we'll see you here next month. Thanks for listening. Bye. You've been listening to the Indie Jigsaw Show produced by Fiona McGregor and Marlene Halliday from Independence Live Media. Please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you know anybody who you think would enjoy this content, please share it with them. You can get in touch with us by email on indielifepodcasters at gmail.com. Mm-hmm.